Hello, I'm Vada. I'm Carlo. And you're listening to VCR. Welcome back. Hello, how are you all? Today we are, we're, we're in a fanboy moment. We are sending out positive waves of love over someone that, uh, I gotta say, Carlo, would you say that we kind of sort of gush over this guy? Yeah, that's fair. Okay. Because <laughs> if you didn't, I do. I totally gush on, no. on this guy's work and totally love it. But we are hitting up today, Kevin Smith. Yeah. The, the brilliant world of Kevin Smith, the the Askewiverse. We're going to be dealing with his works and his filmography and everything else he's done today. Even the stuff is, that is not in the Skewiverse. Right, exactly. Exactly, because <laughs> he is actually quite a, to me, quite a brilliant filmmaker. I love his stories, and uh, whenever he has something come out, I definitely try to be on top of it. That's not always the case. There are a couple of titles out there I have not seen, but the majority of his works I have totally seen and totally praised. And in fact, before we even started recording this, me and you were going all kinds of crazy talking about <laughs> connections in the Excuiverse and how it yeah. leads to other movies. So, uh, and, and it, it sets up in a weird way. I, I don't know anyone would admit this philosophically, but it kind of sets up the idea of having all these movies that don't have to be connected at all and yet all point in each, into each other. The entire Marvel thing kind of started with and it, and it comes from the same place a love of comic books and co comic book storytelling mm -hmm. which is exactly the kind of uh, stories he does they're all super character driven it's always about this character and this character's point of view in a, in a world uh so things like where that doesn't make sense like the low level heroes in uh the marvel for for netflix mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense for them to live in a world where oh no here's a flying robot that we gave a soul with a, a gem from space well, she's a she's a rape victim with that's very strong. They're in the same world. Like that's just yeah, yeah. that's totally fine. That's totally the same thing. It's not, but neither is Jane Silent Strike Back and Chasing Amy mm -hmm. and Red State. Not that that's part of the US universe, but that that sort of approach of I 100% commitment to a character and let the story follow is why I love him as a writer. Uh, it does make all of this stuff look a little like a stage play, but that's fine. That's okay. <laughs> you don't, it doesn't, he doesn't claim to be a world-class cinematographer. Mm -hmm. What he's great at is character and their development. That's what he's fun with. Absolutely. I'm going to tell you this. It, that man's ability to tell a story through his movies is just amazing. I love a lot of his works because of the wonderful storytelling that is in it. And just to kind of give you an idea of how important that is and how critical storytelling is to movies, um, I'll never forget, I was talking to someone from the Houston Film Commission, and he told me something that I will never, ever forget. He said, people can forgive bad acting but they cannot forgive a bad script. And that is so true because your storytelling comes from that script. And some of the things that he's written, uh, such as Clerks, Clerks 2, Mallrats, uh, Chasing Amy, all these are just fabulous stories and just really fascinating to me. Uh, some of those like Clerks 1 and Clerks 2, especially Clerks 2, have that absolutely amazing 
uh, humanistic story. And one of my favorites is also Zach and Miri make a porno. Mm -hmm. Um, Just the love stories or the human side of it is just absolutely spectacular to me. But before I start gushing and going crazy here, let's set up with our first experience watching a Kevin Smith or seeing a Kevin Smith movie. What was your first Kevin Smith movie? I'm very lucky. Um, Cause you and I are only a, a, only like a, maybe a decade younger than him. Maybe. If that. Actually, okay. So I'm looking at his so. age uh, as me and him. He is five years older than me. Five years older than you. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in a weird way, cause I, I, a, year, a few years after, after it, like he originally got his start. He wanted to make, clerks based off of um oh god damn it what was it? slackers mm-hmm. filmed in austin just people with one make movies or they made one and that was his wanting to get into film and i was the same kid hanging out at the at the time hollywood video all the time renting weird uh, any kind of movie uh from uh, anime samurai uh chapsaki movies uh french black and white films like all a bunch of weird shit which is why i'm so annoying when it comes to film I, that was my initial um, learn. That was my like that was my film school. Um, was going to Hollywood Video every week, and um, I bumped into Clerks. I found I saw the original uh, black and white box. It's black and white. It has like different colored, like almost like a um, a ransom note. Different colors of letters, different shapes mm-hmm. and things, and blocks above these generic uh, boots and flannel '90s people. Uh, that are a little bit older. That would, that would be a little bit older than me. And them go and like posing and clerks just because they serve you doesn't mean they like you. Um, and I, I took it home. I watched it. I don't remember exactly what it was, but something something on the box cart uh, on the box cart was like I, I'm watching this one. I'll get it. It's I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. Um, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Uh, it being grainy, black and white. Sometimes the there's a weird thing with the audio every once in a while. It just feels like what it is a student film mm-hmm. that has been this little lost darling it, it just feels like in a weird way it's very punk of film where it it has like big budget uh uh famous people in the soundtrack because that was taped like that was packed on later um but the actual presentation of this story which is just about feelings and a dude who doesn't know how to just deal with how his feelings are and talk about them properly and doesn't get women uh it just feels like this little thing that you get from somebody in the back of a van or from a trench coat or your one really cool friend that is too aloof and too cool to ever talk about anything with any kind of real genuine joy because that would be uncool they go but you know what this one thing that i can unrepentantly say i love have you ever seen clerks clerks will always feel like something that someone goes have you ever seen this you get a VHS tape of it and you watch it. It just yeah. feels like a, like a hidden secret gem. I'll, and I'll never forget Clerks Clerks 1, because there is a Clerks 2, but Clerks was my first experience with Kevin Smith films. And I think that's going to be true for a lot of people, especially in our age range, that mm-hmm. Clerks was definitely something that you watch that introduced you to the world of Kevin Smith. And I'll never forget, my cousins were the ones who rented it from this little shit uh, 
video cassette store. It wasn't even a blockbuster or a Hollywood video. It was just one of these like, you know, we got videos come in type of thing. So we they rented it from there. And we ended up watching it at my grandfather's house. And we watched it in the living room. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, <laughs> this is so incredible. It's a black and white movie that is just so entertaining. I mean, the way you connect to the characters and you really get into it because it's like some of the dialogue is like, okay, this is going on a little too long, but you are just invested in the story. You want to understand why they're putting her in the back of an ambulance <laughs> and being carted off to the hospital. And who are the dairy maid, uh, the, the milkmaids, not the dairy maids, the milkmaids yeah. and all of this other stuff that happens in the store on this daily basis. And it's really about a guy who just is pissed off because it's his day off and he has to come in to work. And it, it was just a great movie. I loved Clerks 1. Uh, the only thing I loved more than Clerks 1 was Clerks 2, which I think me and you have mentioned this. This is one of the very few times where the sequel surpasses the original and is just way better and and you watch it and you're like wow this is fantastic because you know you go although i don't i don't agree with that because i don't see it as better i see it as a completely different horse well okay i i get where you can go with that i just found it to be it's a continuation of the story it's a continuation of their life but i love it because of the way it ends up kind of turning out it, it's a mm-hmm. fascinating movie to me and it's also a very much a really good um heartfelt movie in a way always, too. always heartfelt. just like he has a way of being able to like sucker punch your heart last minute like oh like <laughs> i wasn't expecting to feel uh kevin and you made me feel like damn it so it was just uh clerks 2 is my ultimate favorite kevin smith movie but you know he has so many other great movies. What is your favorite Kevin Smith movie, Carlo? Ooh, that's tough. Um, it is probably the one I decry the most mm-hmm. for one for one for one very specific reason. But the one that is that is the most everything I love about Kevin Smith that there is humor. There's a lot of active heart. It is always what is true of this character and that being the driving force of the story. Um, It's close. It would be clerks because it has that special personal, like I found it feeling to it. Um, But it's probably going to be chasing Amy. Chasing Amy was a great one. I will admit chasing Amy was a great one. And, and he has just a lot of them that are, I, I love chasing Amy that story, but in there was pretty unique for its time. Like no one had ever really tackled that type of a story. And for our audience who isn't familiar with chasing Amy, um, I'm going to give you the watered down version of chasing Amy. <laughs> so you have these two characters who are basically comic book writers and artists and what ends up happening is the main character who is played by um, ben affleck falls in love with this woman named amy all right but no, uh, you're probably no. thinking who Melissa cares Jones. he falls in love 
Alyssa Jones. Alyssa Jones. Uh, Amy is the character, comic book character. Oh, that's right. He does. He changes the name. Okay, my bad. Yeah. So what ends up happening is he falls in love with her, but the falling in love with her or falling in love with each other is kind of a struggle because Alyssa slash Amy is actually a lesbian. And so they become closer and closer and develop this relationship. And then they end up falling in love and developing a a very much romantic relationship. And then of course, things start to go wrong because you also have a very jealous partner who's involved with this. So I'm not going to give you everything in case you go (laughs) out and, and watch it, but the jealous partner does not help and helps kind of drive a wedge through everything. And then Ben Affleck's character comes up with this really horrible solution. If you're ever in this situation, do not go with the solution Ben Affleck's character originally <laughs> came up with. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but do not do it. And it ends up well, making if, if you're looking to, up. whenever you are looking to um, to heal a wound between between you and someone you love, mm-hmm. consider what they need. Don't just consider what you need to fix things, <laughs> or, which, is, which is what Kevin Smith is doing. He's showing like, this is what you did wrong because mm-hmm. all of his movies have an element of like, this dummy doesn't understand women and needs to just fucking talk to them. All, like all of his early stuff, without a doubt, that's Clerks, that's Mallrats, mm-hmm. that's Clerks 2, that's, uh, that's Dogma, except God is, in, uh, God is a woman in, in, in Dogma, so it's still a woman you don't understand. God, some, some dude doesn't understand a woman and won't just fucking talk to them and think, what do they need? <laughs> yes. Exactly. Each movie wor- gets it's, around him going, what do they need? What that's does what someone else need instead of what yeah. do I need? Uh, but yeah, chasing Amy, that's the watered down version. So we don't yeah. really yeah. drag out a synopsis here and, and our over analytics. Cause we can be really good at that. <laughs> but uh, but uh, oh, it, it, the one thing I did cry about, cause it is the fact that uh, when a character says, the idea of cutting out an, enti- an entire half of the population, which is a dated idea now, but whatever, for the, the idea for her, she just could never consider a woman as a lover because you're not supposed to, to her, made no sense. Mm-hmm. Which means she's, she's bi. She's bisexual. Mm-hmm. Like, she identifies as lesbian, and so be it. She identifies that way. But it does, but she's a fictional character, so you whenever like, well, that's what the character would do. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Now explain yourself, author. Explain why the director, the character, does that. And it is absolutely one hundred percent just by erasure, which is weird. I know he doesn't do it on purpose, but he keeps accidentally he keeps mishandling it because he doesn't. He's not a woman. He is not a woman that has dealt with les- being a, uh, is she is she straight? Is she a lesbian? Is she bi? Is she pan? Anything. He's never dealt with that in any way, so it's hard for him to write. So he does a bad job of it. <laughs> but you know the other interesting thing about that, and I'm not trying yeah, yeah. to uh, like you know yeah. uh, overly give my two cents making it four cents but giving my one cent in this uh equation i, I want to say around the time that Cler- uh, clerks that chasing amy was written mm-hmm. there weren't as many labels that there are now <laughs> i mean there were labels but not as no. many as what we're identifying nowadays and so i think it it's it, regardless of it it's a fascinating story and a really good story and you know i'm going to say kind of a heartbreaking story too absolutely because i was in the end i'm going to ruin a little bit spoiler alert in the end i was really rooting 
that maybe they would reconcile and just, you know, happy and love again. But the reality and the humanistic approach that Kenneth Smith takes with it is a much more realistic version of what would happen in real life. Opposed to that, and it, it pushes against the grain of that, oh my God, we want it all tied up in a pretty little bow and it's the happy ending. It wasn't a miserable ending. It was no, not. It's hopeful. It was it's a hopeful. hopeful ending. Not for their romantic relationship, no. but for who they are as people, they grow and there's something on the other side of it. The heartbreak is real. The heartbreak is devastating, mm-hmm. but they will continue to live and they will have lives after this. And they, and they will go on. And that's the beauty of it. That really is the beauty of it. And I really have to say, you know, if, if you get a chance, if you've never seen a Kevin Smith movie, I'm going to recommend you definitely need to look at some of his older work, such as Clerks and Chasing Amy, and then definitely introduce yourself into some of his newer stuff, because it just, it's like a fine wine. It just gets, his stuff just gets better with age, if you ask me. Um, well, I and, think because Kevin Smith is getting better with age. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's because it's the same, it's still the same trick. Mm-hmm. It is like uh, to kind of fast forward extensively, uh, went off of Chasing Amy to Jay and Silent Bob reboot, mm-hmm. which is not a Chasing Amy uh, uh, sequel, but it is a sequel to Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, mm-hmm. which was the big, almost parody of the View of Universe movie that brings the character, Ben Affleck's character of Holden back. Mm-hmm. And we see what's happened to him since then. And, he, and the book that he wrote and all the other books that he's wrote uh, that he's written since um, his partner still no longer being there and him no, not seeming, seemingly not having a relationship uh, with, uh, with Alyssa uh, in that movie. Then Jane Silent Bob in the reboot revisit them and they do have a relationship of a sort. And it is not a romantic one, but it is definitely a loving one in that they are co-parents and have a daughter together. She is married. She is married uh, to another to a woman, but as he put it, we always liked each other. Mm-hmm. That was the best part. That part never stopped. And yeah, we're not romantically together, mm-hmm. but we do bring out some of the best stuff out of each other. So we put it into the kid, mm-hmm. and it and and that's what I mean by he is getting is aging. Uh, Kevin Smith is aging really well because he's learning from his movies that approach of okay, maybe you don't get women, listen to them and learn and grow the fuck up. His stories do, his characters do because he always focuses on the character. So going from, from Clerks, my, what I think is the, would be the superior movie would be Clerks because that's what spoke to me first. Clerks 2 is absolutely those same characters, Dante and Randall, the growing up and the two versions of growing up growing up i'm adult so you can't tell me what to do so randall's even bigger an idiot than he was before dante i'm an adult and this is how an adult is supposed to act so he's got his a stick further up his butt mm-hmm. because they didn't learn really what it is to grow up yeah clerks two being them actually growing up trying mm-hmm. a little bit like them growing up well, a bit. you know what i love about <laughs> clerks too yeah you're absolutely yeah. right it is the continuation of um dante and randall's story their life story which i think is what really makes clerks too unique and why it worked it's not like hey we're gonna go revisit all this other stuff it picks up further along in their life as it should and it picks up with the fact that i think for what a lot of people feel nowadays you know that that point in your life where it's like is this as good as it gets 
uh, have we really that, that almost like that midlife crisis type of thing? Yeah. And it picks up like they're having this midlife crisis where maybe their reality is they're not quite where they should be in life type of thing. Yeah. And it, it's that realization. And then boom, the hard hitting sucker punch of life saying, this is what you knew, need to do to get your shit together. And, yeah. and they do, they're still true to who they are, but they've come full circle and now they're, their life is taking off. They're getting a grip on it. And it, it's really fascinating. I love Clerks too. Like I mm -hmm. cannot go wrong with Clerks too. And you, I recommend to anyone, you definitely got to check out Clerks too. Check out Clerks 1, check out Clerks 2, also Chasing Amy. Uh, yeah. But I'll, at this point, I'm going to tell you just to look at everything in this man's filmography. But yeah. uh, Clerks 2 was just amazing. And it, I think that as a sequel is why it works because it's like we're moving forward this is where they are in life and this is how their life is and we're going to take this section of their midlife crisis and we're going to blow this story up you yeah. know and it was true it was humanistic at the end the end was a realistic possibility of yeah. what what their life could be so Again, this man's storytelling is just fabulous, absolutely fabulous, yeah. and and hysterical because he is a great comedic writer too. Absolutely, which which I can only express through like one of his best versions again of this heartfelt, you know, this is a reality of what could happen type of thing, and a beautiful story too. And it's kind of like a, a beautiful love story in a way, but with comedic overtones. Uh, was Zach and Mary make a porno? Yeah, I thought for that someone was... who has money, he does. He does a great job of writing to people desperate for people. <laughs> he really does. He really does. And it, it's like you know, Zach and Mary, they're poor. They grew up with each other. They they live in a a dump together. <laughs> you know, their 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 heating gets turned off, and they have to bring in a a fire that they've made to uh, warm up their apartment and it, it's ridiculous and of course they come up with the concept of we need to make money because they work as basically they work as what clerks so like one's a clerk at a uh a coffee, at a coffee shop. shop and i forget what does she do i don't recall what she does i think she was a clerk at a dress shop or something like that you know uh, i could be wrong but i think yeah. that's what it was but they, they were again they were clerks and they come up with the idea of if they make a porno they could make money yeah and, and this is like 15 years before only fans yes kevin smith just seeing into the future <laughs> right exactly just like where's the future of porn going here now, that's, and, a, that's uh, the future of the porn future of like just the economy yeah the basically so bad the only option is to sell yourself that's it that's all we get or <laughs> you have one option sell yourself and and that's what they came down to they were like we're so desperate we're going to make porn and it becomes a passion project and it becomes this you know development and growth of the two characters who end up falling in love with each other yeah or kind of realizing holy shit we've always been in love with each other we've just never realized it well because they were supposed to do something else to fix themselves yes and they're relying on each other was this will do for now again mm -hmm. he always writes about the character and he lets the story come from that they were completely reliant on each other but surely they couldn't be lovers 
that's not what they got together for mm-hmm. but the the you know there's a there's an experiential uh history they build and yes. they are now not dependent on each other but they find they prefer to rely on each other so well, you that's know where that love comes from it's not random or as as one misreading of this i i, I would definitely call it a misreading of this movie mm-hmm. someone said they have sex in a scene because they like they're the only two parts of characters that don't have sex in the porn so they're gonna have a scene together and it's this like soft gentle little it's not like wow chicka wow like mm-hmm. sl- no one's trying to break anyone's hip they just have sex it's like a cute little loving embrace and then they fell in love like no that was it them not being able to come up with the excuses why that wasn't already mm-hmm. excuse me, already there yeah look, look at the characters <laughs> and you know what in that okay so that was an amazing scene like where they finally they have sex with each other for the first time it is for a porn but it, they finally but they like the the two walls that are set up are the moment that they are having together in their intimacy and the music there, which was just this really, I have to tell you, this man puts together a fucking fabulous soundtrack to some of his mm-hmm. scenes. And the music that they have going there and what they're feeling for each other and how they see it. And then it pans over to the second wall where it's the people who are filming the porn and how they see it in the music that's playing in the background for them. It's just night and day. One looks very loving and romantic and the other one just looks like, you know, two people fucking (laughs) but it was it was great it was spectacular it was an amazing moment and then again uh, as an example as to this man putting shit together and just amazing soundtrack later on where they have that party at the apartment Mm. and um and that one porn star i forget what her name is in reality morgan something uh takes Zach to the bedroom Mm. and Elizabeth Banks character Miri Mm -hmm. they're doing it in slow motion where they're looking at each other because they he doesn't want to go with her he wants to be with Miri and then Miri's looking at him like please don't go with her And, and they're walking slowly off to the bedroom she's leading them and it's the, it's a song by the Pixies that was just so like, well, just perfect. If, if y'all, I know y'all can't see me, but I'm doing the French, yeah. it is très bien over here. That was just, oh my God, that was such a feel moment. So again, it's just, this man is brilliant, not just in his writings, but he can sure as hell set up a damn good soundtrack too. And one that is so perfect to make that scene really come to life. And I'm going to shut up now because I realize I'm gushing and probably getting a heart on. So (laughs) let's, let's move on to something else before I flip the fuck out. But I do want to say that's my one complaint about my, my one structural story complaint about Zach and Mary make a porno though is the end of it, the fix, the thing that brings them back together is when, uh, after she's stormed off and I never want to see you again because you had sex with that porn star, uh, he returns, he finds her, and he apologizes. But what kills me is before he, has, he goes with her, he, he tells her, here it is, I'm going to lay it all out on the table. I have feelings, they're real. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be with you. She goes, nope, just a porn, go away. Yeah. So he goes, okay, well, I'm hurt, 
and alone, I guess I'll have sex with a porn star because I'm hurting a lot. I did the I did the thing. I did I I said everything. He didn't see through that. Mm-hmm. So and later on when he's leaving and she gives that look, there is that like, well, he's supposed to he was supposed to figure that out. Yeah. That's not fair. Yes, that's true. That's, that's not fair. But it's two, not... Mm-hmm. but two. That's how it is. That's yeah. life. No, that's that really you will be told yeah. one thing. And and it was and that that's what I mean by Kevin's like another aspect of Kevin's is like not quite getting women. Like, but I said it. I did the thing. Like, yeah, but you gotta stick to it. Mm-hmm. So when, and it's she wasn't testing. It wasn't like I will prove he doesn't really love me. She was just like, no, I can't do that. I'm not there yet. Yeah. And also it was just a good lesson of shitty communication and relationships too. Yeah. Because in the end, you discover they don't sleep with those porn stars yep. at all. And it was just so good. I love I love that movie. Does Zach and Mary make a porno? I know the the title may be a little off-putting, but I kid you not, that is a fabulous fucking movie. Watch it. Um, definitely one of my, you know, top recommends is Zach and Mary make a porno clerks too. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to keep repeating those things <laughs> until you watch yeah. them. So audience, listen, watch. Go, or, go watch some Kevin Smith movies. Absolutely. But let's talk about, you know, now that we're picking things apart, uh-oh, I yeah. can't minimize that. Let's talk a little bit about his filmography, shall we? Um, yeah. I'm going to pull up some titles here. And of course, his first one comes out in 1994, uh, one year before he graduate, which is Clerks. Then in 95, he comes out with Mallrats. In 97, you have Chasing Amy. 99, you have Dogma, which I'm going to be honest, I haven't seen Dogma in all of its entirety. I've seen parts of it. Uh, 2001, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which I've seen in love. 2004, uh, Jersey Girl. I never saw that. Uh, but then again, according to the rest of the world, no one should have seen that. <laughs> but I've never Every- saw it. I would say most of that, most of that complaint is that it's his first, it's his first steps into being, to telling a story from an adult. I have a job that I don't get to just stop doing because Dante could have, could have left and gone to movies at any time, mm-hmm. but now he has a career. He has a house and a mortgage. He has a child. He, that he's, it's the first, it's his first steps in telling that story of a real adult, uh, yeah, you know, and- finger quotes real adult now and my understanding too is that jersey girl was also kind of a really difficult one for him to uh to do because you had the issue of at this time ben affleck had really exploded on the scene but also j-lo had really exploded on the scene and uh, i think it was a battle of egos as well and my understanding is j-lo was pretty difficult on this set so i i think that had a lot to do with it as well but again well, that's the, the thing is she was fine like they know none of them hurt the movie it's a the movie is fine the hate for it was people going oh these two are in a movie we hate it because mm-hmm. her performance is short it's fine and the, the little sweet moments they don't feel stilted or in uh, or like a lack or or, or um, wooden they just look like two people that kind of fall for each other and they have a kid and this is like early opening credit shit like it's it, the movie moves quick it's out of, it gets this out of the way quickly mm-hmm. um to have the story of these two people that surprisingly work together they have a kid and they're going to have this beautiful life because their plan is this and the mom dies in childbirth 
there you go so uh again never saw it <laughs> yeah. yeah it's it's I, i'm gonna tell you watch it go like you're watching like go watch this is what i'm gonna say to the audience watch it like you're going to the fucking movies don't watch it like you're you work for entertainment news mm-hmm. you don't work okay. for the e-channel you do not work for uh, fucking TMZ. You, you don't Go have a fabulous a... podcast called the VCR show. <laughs> Go watch it as a movie under its own merit. It's Ugh. actually good. George Carlin as the like gruff dad who doesn't know how to show that he loves his son in the background. Like getting to fuck George Carlin getting to be like fucking act again. It's fucking great. There, and you know, placement for Jay and Silent Bob of, um, oh shit. He's that, he's that great little funny guy. He plays the Cajun on King of the Hill. Oh, he's he's this, this, this great you'll see and you go oh that guy i love that guy he's great and everything but uh, then and the story works it is just the pulling your hair out of like I'm the, i don't know how to be a father how do you be a father and the answer being nobody fucking knows there isn't a book that has realistically what's going to happen the first time your child does this or that they can guess but they're writing from the perspective of what they've seen They've not, they've never wrote, they've never tried to raise your daughter and they've never tried to raise your daughter as who you are. And they've never tried to do it without your wife. Who's not there with your dad there. Like it is a very personal story of, I don't understand this woman. Mm-hmm. This time his daughter. And I don't know how to raise her. And the, the trouble of like, I had the, I had every, like, if you had the exact life you wanted and then you lose all of it, the woman you wanted, she died giving child, uh, birth to this child. Your perfect job, you lose it because you were changing this d- child's daughter and you made an enemy of Will Smith. That's actually a p- point of the movie. Mm-hmm. You lose everything and all you have to show for it is this little girl who breaks your shit, embarrasses you, uh, uh, reminds you every day that you are not with the woman you love. That's what she does. She's also the love of your life. She's your daughter. That's a great fucking story. It's a good movie. And if people would get the fuck over themselves, like, but JLo's in it? Shut the fuck up. She's in it for 10 minutes and she's dead. What else do you want? I defend that movie. I I stand fucking Jersey Girl. I don't know. But what I do know is I don't have to see it now because you just told me the whole thing. (laughs) So... Master, but it is masterfully it is acted and told by Carlo Magana. <laughs> I do. I'm I'm a very good actor. <laughs> but it, it's his first dipping his toe into telling that story, mm-hmm. which does kind of beget what com- some of the stuff that comes up next. If you uh, following the uh, the uh, next movie, next big movie after that in 2006 is Clerks Two. Again, more. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's old. my and that's that's where my heart on comes in. You got 2006 Clerks Two followed. Uh, uh, Jersey Girl, and that was kind of his uh, rebound movie as well. But uh, after yeah. Jersey Girl, because people did bitch yeah. so much about Jersey Girl, it, it, it was um, in a way it's a step back because it is a return to formula mm-hmm. to an extent. But it is the which is go to the characters, but it's still having them grow up a little bit. Yeah. So what so Clerks Two is about? Two thousand six Clerks Two, two thousand eight. The other movie I have a hard on for, and literally there's a hard on in it, Zach and Miri make a porno, which if you try to go find it on DVD or you want to look it up, it will just be Zach and Miri. Yeah. It won't be Zach and Mary make a porno. The uh, Zach and Mary make a porno is the original name it was released under. The people bitched so much about porno that it just became Zach and Mary, which pisses me off. Yeah. Uh, it's, child, it's childish. It is. It is. It was rated R. It wasn't meant for children. Bunch of little 
and I won't get into that. Anyway, a bunch of little twats. Anyway, so uh, <laughs> 2010, you have Cop Out, which I did not see, but I do know that is the one with Bruce Willis. And that was a big excitement for him to be able Can to- Can make a, a little sidestep? No, but go at ahead. 20, at 20, <laughs> at 2013, uh, Kevin Smith is credited with uh, as, a, as uh, a, one of the writers as the idea, as coming oh. up with the idea for Clerks XXX, a porn parody. Oh, wow. I did not know wow. that. See, yes. Okay, hold on to that. We're going to jump right back into that as soon as I finish <laughs> reading this off. Go on, go um, on. But so you have Cop Out 2010. You have 2011 Red State, which I never saw. And I heard wasn't that great anyway. It, and then, Again, I want to defend Red State. Oh, the God. only problem was... <laughs> A no, lot. The, the reason Republicans I, are enough trouble as they are. I'm yeah, kidding. they're the they're the villains. They're the, they're, they're what's scary. Republican. It's again him looking like ten years in the future. Like guys, they're gonna destroy the world. They're gonna just they're just murderers and rapists and pedophiles. Every Republican you've ever met, it's true. And he's right. He's right. Sorry, they they are. And uh, Red State is absolutely that. It's the Westboro Church, and they are and they're murdering people. Um, and he his philosophy in writing the story because this is a huge departure for him. This is part of him going into being a podcaster more than a uh, director for a little while. Um, he just goes, okay, here's the, the generic horror movie scene. What would usually happen? Well, the final girl will escape. Okay, murder her. Okay, next scene. Here's the setup. Okay, who would, like, who would survive? Oh, the, the tough guy would go down pretend, saving the nerds. So he murders the nerds. And every time he does the like, this is what you would expect to happen, he did the exact opposite. Oh no! Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not even going to bother now. So yeah, that's you don't have state. to. I've told and, it to you. And this is, this is his. And I think it's fair to know this is his first attempt at a horror movie. But yeah. his second attempt at a horror movie, which was kind of a, a comedic horror movie, but I got to tell you, was really good. I did see this. Was in 2014. He does the movie Tusk. And I don't I did know. Not see this one. Huh? I did not see this one. Oh, this one was actually really good. Jason Long is in it uh, and uh, a few other people who were just uh, notable, I'll say that. But it was a very, very good movie. And it was about this deranged guy who, uh, well, you know, I'm not going to go into it. I'm not going to ruin it. But it involves a walrus. That's why it's called Tusk. Uh, you need to check it out. It is very good. It is not a... Um, a horror movie in the sense like you're going to start pissing yourself or anything like that. You're not going to have nightmares, but it's a really good suspense. And the way they end it is very, very good. So check out Tusk. And then you have 2016 Yoga Hosers, which I did see and I remember I, nothing about it. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember I anything about it. I saw the first few minutes of it. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I was not feeling that one. Yeah, so that I didn't watch all of it, but Yoga Hosers is a thing. Then in 2019, you have Jay and Silent Bob reboot, which I have not seen yet, but I want to see. And then you also per, coming out pretty soon is Kilroy was here. And I don't it's know post-production and that's going to be 2021. Um, that one I'm kind of interested in because of the title alone. Kilroy was, I don't know if you remember this song. Um, back in the 80s, there was that song, Domo Erigato, Mr. Roboto, Domo. Anyway, so that's my, yep. that song at the end of that video or the end of the song, um, it says, Kilroy, Kilroy. And at the end of the video, it says, Kilroy was here, here. 
And yeah. so I'm kind of wondering if there's an interesting story there, or maybe this is something he's doing. Like, as well, a it did. It became of a part of the graffiti. It became a go-to graffiti thing. It's like a, a, a simple, a very simple, like, hectogram. Like, it's just a, a line with fingers over it. So it's like someone looking over a wall with his nose hanging, and you can see, like, the top of his head. Yeah. And you like, Kilroy was here. Um, so apparently it's going to be a horror anthology centered around the phenomenon of the Kilroy was here graffiti. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. interesting. All right. Well, so, I look forward to checking that out as soon as that comes out. I um, don't have enough information. To just, I'm like, okay. <laughs> see, with uh, the basic stuff I have is I see Chris Jericho is part of it. Of course, his daughter, Harley Quinn Smith, is part of it. Mm. And then you have a few other names that I – well, Michelle Perez is part of it. And some other names I'm not quite sure about. But this well, this falls under announced. So when, yes. and, well, it's in post production. Excuse me. So that probably that will probably exist. Um, the last thing I see announced that is kind of interesting is Clerks Three, which I know for a moment disappeared. I do. If not you look see at look him as uh, as a as a writer uh, as on his writing credits on IMDb, the last thing on there is Clerks Three announced. Okay, see, I'm I'm getting info from Wikipedia right now, so I'm not mm -hmm. on IMDb, but let me click yeah. on that, and I see what you're talking about. So interesting, we're gonna do Clerks three, fascinating. Well, originally, like it came up, um, and they were starting like pre-production, and um, Jeff Anderson uh, walked out. Apparently, there was a falling out, and they were like not gonna, they weren't cool for a little while. Then there was. Uh, at something or another, they both showed up to sign merchandise and they sat near each other. They talked, they got whatever it is they, they dealt with, whatever beef was squashed. And uh, after talking about it, because apparently it was content, something about the story, uh, and, uh, Jeff Anderson wasn't feeling it and didn't want to be a part of it. That became a, a fight because Kevin Smith, as much as everyone like jokes about, oh, he doesn't fucking care about his movies. He really does. And he's always been notorious for being very protective of the content and the, and the wording doesn't like people like improving. he wants you to say his words and um so there was a problem there whatever it is is dealt with and he went home and rewrote the script mm -hmm. with something he felt what what he uh, he says that he felt it's the better it's the better move and it's something that jeff anderson wants to play yeah so it is and, back and on. for those I, I don't mean to interrupt for those of you who do not know who jeff anderson is if you follow uh his movies in Clerks 1 and Clerks 2, he plays the character of Randall Graves. Yeah. So just to kind of give you content as to who he is. So he's one of the titular clerk clerks. It'd be mm -hmm. kind of hard to do a clerk story without him. Yes. It, oh, God, you wouldn't be able to unless you killed Randall off somehow. Yeah. Which, you know, with as much trouble as he gets into, wouldn't be that difficult to it do. It wouldn't be that surprising for him to just be dead. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, like, I do wonder if Rosario Dawson would come back because I would hate for them to just like oh that would be just like chuck her out the window right before the the movie begins like like if they were if they if they're gonna go on their own little adventure and she's doing something that's she's at a movies con because uh, not a movies conference they all go and start the contract or she and the kid are doing something that's fine that's fine if but I I'd hate for that character to just be like removed uh, with no fanfare like it was such a a big part of of the what would have been the end of uh, uh of his story for dante's story yeah for her to just be like oh then she left like a year later like oh my god <laughs> well you know clerks uh clerks to rosario dawson was 
fabulous in that movie. Yeah. She really was. And, but I've always loved the Rosario Dawson. I've always kind of had, of a, course, yeah. she's she's my celebrity crush is Rosario Dawson because she was just yeah. spectacular. Yeah. Um, but anyway, neither here nor there about my crushes and my weird little uh, <laughs> fantasies there. Yeah. But her, she was crucial to that storyline and that character was very crucial. And without her, you do not have the life story of Dante at all. Uh, you might as well just ended it as soon as they opened up the movies and said, "Hey, we're here." But it kind of leaves her as the it leaves her as the like. Um, it's better that she ends up being like the love of Randall's life because without her, without that character in Clerks Two, then it's it's Veronica or Caitlin Bree because mm-hmm. he because he's a sad sack and he's a melancholy over mm-hmm. over women. That's a big part of Dante. Yeah, for him to grow the fuck up, he either gets over that and has an adult relationship, which is what Clerks 3 does, or that's all he ever is, in which case that really is a retread, and that would that would suck for the character and for kind of Kevin Smith's career to follow that trajectory of growing up and then, nah, regress. Because he's hmm. done such a good job of revisiting characters without regressing them. Like, they grow. They become more adult every time you see them. Yeah. Literally, uh, Jay and Silent Bob hang out in front of the quick stop and just scream obscenities to people to uh jay and silent bob reboot and jay's a jay's a father and he's trying to be a good one that's amazing mm-hmm. like he's not he's not good at it because no one's good at it that was just like a great dad from the, the start everyone has to fucking learn how to do that because you you meet the child mm-hmm. and then they be, start becoming human before you have any say in the matter they go from being a little blob of scream and poop and then suddenly they're a human being that have opinions and, and thoughts and they, and characteristics all their own. You're like, who taught you that? I don't know where this comes from. How do I how do I become your how do I be your father? And that's cool. That's a really cool trajectory. That that should be for like anyone who at any point in their life was just, you know, I'm just some dude. If you were ever between the ages of 18 and 30, when you were just some dude, you weren't somebody's dad yet, you weren't somebody's husband, you were just a dude. Kevin Smith is telling you your story. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, one point or another, his movies are telling you the story you're in. If I wanted my life story told, I'd hope to God it would be Kevin Smith and or David Lynch. One of those two need to tell my yeah. story. Kevin Smith or David Lynch. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I love both of them. But uh, that's what Kevin I want, Smith, though. Yeah. Now, have, have I told you my version of the Tommy Westfall? Do you know the Tommy Westfall theory? I know of it. I'm not a huge follower of it, so I'm not as detailed into it as what you would be. So why don't you okay. drop that bit of nectar onto our Okay, so fans. many of you will have heard of this, but there is an uh, old TV show called St. Elsewhere, an old uh, soap opera. And there is a character that is this little kid. He is trapped in his own mind, doesn't speak, he doesn't do anything. He just constantly, and it's revealed at the end of the series that he is watching, looking into a snow globe that has the St. Elsewhere Hospital. So that it, the implication is the everything in this soap opera we've been watching for the last, I think it's like 10 years, took place in this kid's imagination. Here's the problem. A ton of characters, they first started the practice of having different TV show characters appear in each other's show. This first started with St. Elsewhere. It had a bunch of shows uh, appear in canon of St. Elsewhere, which means those all those shows would also fall under this kid's um, imagination. And if you actually go go to like TV tropes or something or mental flaws, look up the, the master list of the Tommy Westfall universe. 
it reaches out to TV shows today because actors that were that their shows ended, but they ended up as guest stars in other shows playing the same character because it's a fun thing for sitcoms to do. This includes like uh, into the nineties, like um, was an example. One of someone who was on, um, I think, Detective Munch from uh, Law and Order. He appeared as Detective Munch in Saint Elsewhere. Then he appeared as uh, in an episode of. I think it was like who's the boss or something and a character ended up on uh full house and that character ended up on uh i can't remember the, or all in the family or whatever not all in the family what is it definitely not all in the family no no but all in the family I, i'm sure is in there but like a bunch of shows and it keeps it, it, it got home improvement um it got because bunch was in it because he's a big part of it uh it has the simpsons falls under the tommy westfall theory of uh, hundreds of shows all fall under this uh unified tv universe and I think the Viewers universe has something similar. Not all of his movies, not all of Kevin Smith's movies, his later podcast movies are a podcast universe that people, I believe, is called the True North uh, cycle or something. But for the Viewers universe, there's this odd inciting incident that is kind of at fault for all the shit we've seen. And I want to see the Kevin Smith, David Lynch uh, version of a Degrassi junior high setting up those kids that become Dante and Randall, uh, Alyssa Jones, Trisha D Jones, the, the, the Jones sisters, all these different characters that just kind of feed out into all of his VSQ universe movies. And it all comes down to uh, the reason Ka uh, Caitlin Bree fucks a dead dude in the bathroom. All this shit comes down to the reason uh, Michael Rooker almost murders uh, Jason Lee in Mallrats. All of this, everything, the, the, uh, Jay and Son Bob getting a comic book um, they're I'm getting a movie all of it eventually siphons back down to Julie Dwyer who had the fattest ass as, as that's how she's described in the, in the movie Julie Dwyer died by having a, a brain embolism in the pool because she was going to go on in, in clerks one they mentioned Julie Dwyer she died in the pool and because of that this happened this one they had um, and Randall and Dante are going to have to miss her uh her funeral because Dante has to work. Randall says, fuck that. We're going anyways. Now I believe it's because Randall told her, no, I, one of the Jones sisters, Joey Lauren Adams plays two of the, the, like there's like three sisters for Jones. There's Trish, the dish, who is the, uh, the youngest one that is having sex with older men to write a book. She eventually does and becomes super famous. Um, her sister uh, is the, is in, is in chasing Amy as the lesbian finger quotes. Mm -hmm. Um, and finger cuffs. Huh? Mm -hmm. um, and there's this one scene, a cut scene from the funeral, because they do have them go in clerks. They go to the funeral, scene is missing, and then it has them running to the car and they run away as they are chased out of the funeral. Hmm. Then, in order to bring in the cartoon universe, they animated it. Kevin Smith eventually had to animate it in the style of the cartoon to show what happened at the funeral. And in it, Dante goes up because he is he had been intimate with this woman and goes up and he's like looking at the at, at her body and she's buried in a bippy top. She is built, buried in a tube top. Randa goes up and drops the keys down her blouse. But he can't grab them because he's afraid to touch dead uh, dead titties. So he forces Dante to do it. The parents come up. They see that they take a swing on Dante and as, in the ensuing fight. The casket fall, rolls over and falls out of the uh, casket. 
Now, remember, Julie Dwyer also, she was going to be on a game show, specifically the game show from Mallrats. She mm-hmm. was going to be in the dating show that uh, Jason, uh, not, not Jason Lee, he plays, he plays uh, the other one. Uh, what, I, the main character from Mallrats, his girlfriend is going to go be on this show for her dad, Michael Rooker's character, because someone pulled out. It was Julie Dwyer. She died, and then they had to replace him, which means if she had it done, if no one told her that the camera adds 10 pounds, she wouldn't have been in the pool and got given herself an aneurysm. She hmm. would have been on the show. That would have been fine. There would have been no big, uh, uh, they wouldn't have locked the, the, they would never have locked the quick stop to go to the funeral resulting in that do- that do- they would have found the do- guy who died in the bathroom jacking off which means caitlin brie wouldn't have been gone gone back there with don to think it was dante because he wouldn't have to have changed he wouldn't have gone to a goddamn funeral she wouldn't have gone there she wouldn't have had sex with that dude that wouldn't have happened a hmm. bunch of stuff doesn't happen if julie dwyer survives which is why i want kevin smith and david lynch to to do just two seasons i just want two seasons of all those characters leading up to the funeral with uh for julie dwyer I want that show because it's the only reason the VSQ universe exists and I would make me so happy. And I, but I do want it to be David Lynch because I want to be, have all these creepy elements pointing to the eventuality, like the, the the universe just becoming askew because of this one moment. That's what I want because I'm super self-indulgent. And I'm going to say that is a brilliant idea. I hope he does it. All rights reserved though, by the VCR show. <laughs> I'll take a writing credit. Yes. Yeah, so writing that i would take royalties carlo we're poor <laughs> you just got to get into the business once you're right, in the business people you know, don't just, give you money yeah see what happens <laughs> but anyway kevin smith call us uh we totally love you i'll play a young i'll let, play a young silent bob i'll play it i'd be yeah. a great young silent bob actually you went as silent bob to a halloween party i'll never forget that yeah. you went as silent bob and i forget that uh lovely young lady who went as jay yep she was like jessica, i don't have a costume was it jessica yeah. morris well, I wasn't going to say her last name because oh. we don't have right to say her name. So you need to bleep that out. Okay. I know you're lazy. You won't. <laughs> so I'll, I'll, I'll tag her in it, though, if she's I think she's still on my Facebook. But yeah, you two made a delightful Jay and Silent Bob. I wonder if there are any pictures of that, because that wasn't one of my parties. That was Cedric's party. And mm-hmm. yes, I'll I always tag Cedric in this. So that's OK. Yeah. But um, definitely you two had an amazing costume. Yeah. That's how I lost that jacket. I believe that. I totally yeah. believe that. That's another friend a, of ours threw up on it and all over my brother's vehicle. And I remember house. that night. Yeah. <laughs> I remember y'all carrying him off to the card too. Yep. Uh, I was like, I'm going to come back for like, I'll come back to get her. I couldn't find her. Like someone tell her I'm going to come back for her, but I have to get this asshole out of here. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm heading back, she's like, someone get, took me a ride because you left me. Like, sorry. Jay. I had to I had to get him somewhere because he was throwing up everywhere. Right. I was I told I don't remember who I told, but I told someone like let her know I'm coming back for her. I'm not gonna just leave her here. But... A very Jay and Silent Bob kind of moment there. It yeah. was great. <laughs> really, it was a wonderful, wonderful costume. Let's see just to show how influential that man is, how great he is. <laughs> so that's kind of you know our hard-ons there for Kevin Smith. Carlo, if you had to recommend three movies for our audience to watch and just a quick three off list what three movies would you recommend hmm i think to get to enjoy the man 
in general. Um, I would probably, Clerks, of course, is probably the first one that gives you a tone of what kind of stories he tells. Um, it also sets a low bar to like, don't go in thinking you're going to see a cinematographer tell a, tell a story. You're going to see a dude who is character driven and telling stories, which is something I love personally. <laughs> um, to see him, to see his heart on a plate, mostly because everyone will tell you to skip it. I would say maybe Jersey Girl as like the, because that's the first steps of him. I like him. I like his first attempts at new shit generally. Um, but not for the horror because his horror does, his, horror, his brand of horror doesn't speak to me. Clerks would be step one. Uh, Jersey Girl would be step two. And then for the, not the horror, but for the podcaster in him, I would invite you to invite someone to watch one of his concerts because every once in a while he'll release. And um, basically it's him doing stand up, but he doesn't do stand up as like, here's a joke I wrote. He's just giving, here's what literally happened. And he's getting to play himself. He is telling the story from his perspective, just like he does with all of his writing. Here's blatantly what happens. Guy has to go into work when he doesn't want to. It is the worst day of his life at that job. At the end, he realizes he needs to go tell the woman he loves that he loves her. That is Clerks. That is the whole story of Clerks. The rest of it is this character and him going through it. That's the heart and soul of it. And that's what he does is he puts his heart and soul on a platter watch clerks check out jersey girl watch one of his any one of them really and you'll see that that is always who he is he doesn't quite get women but he's trying he doesn't quite get what it is to be a man but he's trying but he is a sweet kind person who just seems to genuinely want good things for for people around him mm -hmm. and i respect the hell out of that i love that guy for that i think you know, my three are going to be um Definitely Clerks 1. Check out Clerks 1 for the introduction. And this is this is the birth of it. So you need to check out Clerks 1. Then jump into Clerks 2 because you're just going to love the progression and the way the story flows. And then I want to tell you, jump into Zack and Mary make a porno. That, that is just a great, great film. So those three are my Kevin Smith ones. It's going to be Clerks 1, Clerks 2, Jump into Zack and Mary Make a Porno, which are some of my favorite ones. As a matter of fact, I'll probably end up re-watching some of this stuff tonight because we're, we're talking about it reminiscing. Like, God, I really want to see that now. <laughs> so that's something that I will probably do. And it's just a, a joy to be able to kind of talk about this. Now, you hit on something that I do want to mention. Um, because you talk about like stand-up comedy of his, I actually went to one of his shows. He had a traveling yeah. show and it was called Kevin Smith Presents. And he came to Houston and he did a performance at the House of Blues here. And I went to that and me and Sophia, a very good friend of mine, we went to that and it was just hysterical and amazing. And we ran into another friend of ours there and it was just the best comedic evening ever. And it's really not, and you're right, it's really not like stand-up comedy. He's just kind of telling you life stories. And again, shows what a great storyteller he is. And it was just an amazing evening. So if he ever rolls through your city or town with that show, definitely check it out because it is totally worth it. Uh, I loved his his stories. It was great. I was laughing the whole night. So Kevin Smith is just a brilliant, brilliant storyteller. And his show was spectacular. His live show was spectacular. 
um, something that you definitely need to check out should you get the opportunity to. Um, I know I would, if he rolls through Houston again, I am definitely going back to that show. Um, totally, totally brilliant, man. But I think, in all fairness, I think we've uh, covered our our love and our passion and our, our weird devotion to Kevin Smith. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you have anything else you'd like to add. Um, oh, I did watch the trailer for Clerks XXX, the porn parody. Oh, my goodness. Yes, let me shut the fuck up. Speak porn to me. <laughs> what's going on? What's what's going on with this XXX porn parody thing? I'm not going to add it to the list of like, you got to watch it, but I kind of think you should see the, just the trailer. Mm. Uh, the, here's the dumb thing. Uh, I watched the trailer. It's like, a five, it's like five minutes, and it mm-hmm. is the first few mi- minutes is just a very faithful, like, it looks like an actual parody of the original Clerks. Of course, instead of Dante and Randall, it's um, Dana and Randy. Um, and the little, like, the little touches, like, it, it starts with, um, she jumps out of her car with both feet, for whatever reason, that weird thing from, mm-hmm. you'll see it in Clerks, that they, he has his massive Doc Martens, that he's very particular to make sure they're not tied properly, and they're, like, outside of his pants, because it's mm-hmm. the 90s. But he doesn't just step out of a car. He leaps out. So both feet out. Then he kind of stomps off. Um, and it's this quick, like, one-second shot, one-second shot, one-second shot, uh, setting up, like, uh, opening the door, getting it opened, uh, moving different things. Like, uh, in the original Clerks, it's one-second shot, and he's setting up the coffee machine. One-second shot, and he's, like, filling the ice bucket. Uh, one-second shot, and he is checking the cash register. One-second shot. It's just, like, one little second, one second, one second. Until he flips the sign from close to open and then he goes and he puts his head down on the on the counter because he doesn't want to be there and it's a really faithful remake of that except she's uh putting a bra on a mannequin she's putting away the dildos she's putting up the lube and but it's the same like it's filmed exactly the same way with reminiscent uh music and then ends with her heading over to the counter so it's so i'm expecting her to walk over and put her head down just like in the original movie because it really does have the same feel because Kevin Smith as a cinematographer is not easy, not, not hard to mimic. <laughs> um, uh, then they have people come in and they ask to go to the, into the next room, to one of the uh, video rooms so they can like watch a video. And it's clear that they're going to go in there and fuck. And they do. And it's a boring, just like, yeah, they just hump scene, but whatever. <clears throat> that was actually the least exciting part. Then it cuts, like it does, a, I skipped the part where they're actually fucking. Cause it's just like that. No, no, like we're actors, we're actors. Here's a porn scene porn scene so it just kind of takes you out of it what like i know i'm watching a fucking uh, porn for the story here but that's what i was doing um so i skipped the sex scene um and it comes back and randy is like is the fact that they had randy the randall character specifically go like that's why like dicks have to have to desecrate that's what they're for which is why i don't fuck with them hands her a squeegee which, if you watch Clerks, the whole thing about come leaving streaks mm-hmm. and Randall doesn't want to clean it and and Rand and the the off touted, which I don't agree with, but the t- off touted uh, theory that Randall's secretly gay, having it be this lesbian that's not going to clean up jizz, but understands it, but you clean it, it's actually really it's actually like that actually kind of got the spirit of it. Hmm. It, it has that's the spirit. It is a good fascinating parody. That's pretty. I just didn't like her care for the sex. The sex wasn't interesting. Okay. No, that's that's interesting. I'll have to I'll have to check out that trailer and see what that's all about. But that Go sounds on. fascinating. But I think yep. we've come full circle in our Excuiverse here of Kevin Smith. Yep. 
And with that being said, definitely check out our recommendations. Let us know if you like them. Let us know if you agree with our uh, gushing of Kevin Smith. And you can always email us your thoughts at to the VCR show at gmail.com. Again, that's the VCR show at gmail.com. And Carlo, what else can they do? If you want to hit us up with uh, some of your comments, maybe you're upset we didn't talk about Mallrats enough, or maybe you want to. Uh, if you want to argue about Jersey Girl, feel free. Go to the place to do that on Twitter at the VCR Show. If you got any uh, pictures of you in some great uh, Janson Bob costumes, which I love to see those every once in a while. Every time I go to a comic convention, I still find at least one Janson Bob, and it's always adorable. Uh, go ahead and send uh, some pictures of us to our Instagram, also at the VCR Show. And until next time, I'm Vada. I'm Carlo. And you've been listening to VCR. Snoogans. <laughs> Need some sweet treats for your next big event? Or maybe you just have a sweet tooth? Check out Skippity Cakes. That's Skippity Cakes. S-K-I-P-P-I-T-Y-C-A-K-E-S dot com. Check them out for all of your sweet treat needs. Things such as cakes, cupcakes, and cake pops. Also, check them out for their varieties of face masks, t-shirts, and coffee mugs. You can also contact them at 281-221-9703. That's 281-221-9703. Again, that's Skippity Cakes. Say hi to our friend Rosie for us. Program support given to VCR by... A clean space for you and multi-services. You can contact them at cleanspaceforyou@gmail.com, at gmail.com or give them a call at 832-297-1704. They can also be found on Facebook at clean space for you, all one word. Say hi to Rachel for us. You've been listening to VCR, creative content by Richard Christopher Vada and Carlo Manuel Magana. The logo created by Richard Christopher Vada with assistance from Annie Ramirez. The theme song is The Messenger by Silent Partner and can be found on YouTube Music Library. You can follow us on our social media platforms such as Twitter and Instagram at The VCR Show. You can also email us your thoughts, comments, and concerns to thevcrshow at gmail.com.